Hello and welcome to Data Stories with Isabel Becker. This is a podcast about why data is the latest innovation in storytelling and why you should know about it. Each episode, I'll be talking to a new guest about what data stories are, the place of data stories in culture and society today, and why they have the potential to change the world around us. Chris Onowu is a highly skilled hybrid product development leader with over 15 years industry experience. He has a bachelor's degree in statistics and economics and several certifications in things like product development, leadership, business analysis, business research methods, project management, change management, process improvements and product ownership. He's a doctoral candidate in business administration with research interests in balanced scorecards. Before joining Kubrick in 2019 to build the data product strategic business unit, he managed complex technology and business transformation projects in large financial institutions like JP Morgan and Barclays. He's since shaped the emergent practice of the data product discipline for hundreds of graduates joining the data industry in the UK and now in the US. The definition of a data product, let alone the work involved to design, build and market one, is constantly changing as the tech industry creates more and more ways to serve and delight customers. So to teach the skills to work in this field, therefore requires a premium resilience and embrace of change, which is something that Chris possesses in bucket loads. As you'll hear in our conversation, we're currently in a golden era, if you will, of data products, as businesses and individuals are increasingly realizing the value that lies in treating data as a product, just like any other product we buy and enjoy, and how that changes how we move through the world. Working in this field myself, it was truly amazing to hear the vision that Chris has for where data products are going and how they're going to transform the foundational structures of modern society. So if you ever wonder why you can't stop scrolling on Instagram, or what's coming after the metaverse, have a listen to what Chris has got to say in this episode. Someone with a finger on the pulse of this evolution. Chris Onowu, welcome to the Data Stories with Isabel Becker podcast. It is fantastic to have you here. You're a jet setter these days, flying around from the UK to the US, helping to set up Kubrick in America. So it's a privilege to have you here. Thank you so much for joining. How are you today? Okay, hi. I suppose it's been good as well to be here with you discussing data. Yeah. So first of all, people will be looking up to you. You know, data product is such a booming area at the moment and you're the head of data product at Kubrick. So let's hear a bit about you and how you got into your role at Kubrick at the moment. Oh, through my career, I've always uh, I've always had like a very strong drive uh, for data as part of my uh, career. I have a degree in statistics and a degree in uh, economics. And I also have a master's degree in management and a doctorate in business administration. So most of my career, I've actually been around data space, strategy space, leadership space, 
that has really been about all my career. I've worked with our various uh, global organizations, more around our product delivery, more around data, more around business analysis, program management, project management. Most recently would have been at JP Morgan. So I worked with JP Morgan for about uh, seven years before moving to Barclays. With Barclays, I actually worked on a very interesting program where I was the lead uh, business uh, analyst supporting a huge HR data uh, project to uh, migrate and divest uh, Barclays uh, Africa data from Barclays Global Data. It was a very, very interesting project. I was just at the tail end of that project before I got approached uh, by Kubrick to then uh, set up the data product stream. Joining Kubrick has actually been very, very challenging, but at the same time, uh, one of the most interesting jobs of my career so far. Yeah. And I'm going to start off with the golden question. So, this podcast is really for anyone who's interested in data and how it relates to storytelling. And so I aim for this to me to be as broad and accessible as possible. And so I'm going to ask the basic questions, which is what on earth is a data product? That's an interesting <laughs> one. I want one question I really get often because the term data product, it's not been there. It's quite a recent term, terminology which people are beginning to use. So when we talk about data product, in summary, it's a product that helps build data to support decision making. That's the simplest definition of a data product. But when you want to go into a complex nature of data product, it be it involves a understanding of the data you need, the collation, collection, organization, interpretation, pushing it to your data dashboard. All of those goes into what brings our final output. So some people will say to you like a data visualization dashboard is a data product. But when you look at it from a more holistic view, you can actually see tools we use as at home, things like our Alexa, those are also data product because they support decision-making at home. So in a corporate environment, we'll just simply say data product are those products that helps the organization make strategic decisions. This could be a small unit of the organization. It could also be a larger unit of the organization. Think about where you want to use our Bloomberg to drive decisions for stocks. When you do asset class analysis, those are all data products. When you want to buy a house and you're certain there's a huge amount of data behind, pushing it through for you to make that decision. Those are all data product. And that's why data product is becoming really, really popular because everything we do now is driven by data. That means every decision we make is driven by data. What that has done is it's increased the need for people to understand data. This leads us into something more interesting, which is data as a product. Data as a product is slightly different from data product. Data as a product leads you to data product. Data as a product is you appreciating data with a product mindset. So you're not seeing data as number or as text, but you're seeing them, how can I make this data become a product? That's now how data as a product leads into data products. So they're very, very closely related terms, terminology we use, but they're slightly different in what they actually do. Data will mean nothing. Your data product means nothing if the data in it have not been treated as a product. So you need to see data as a product in order for you to build a good data product. Nice. I mean, yeah, the term is so flexible and I think there are so many examples of so many different types of data products in workplace and in our homes and on our 
phones. It's quite a fun activity, I guess, even trying to define what a data product is because it's so broad. So, okay, there's so many types of data products. What's like the best one you've ever seen? <laughs> that, I think that's a very interesting one. If you ask me my best, my best might be very similar to what most people class as their best. I'll say something like the Microsoft Bing and uh, Google Search. I'll say these are products and a huge data product. If you live outside, if you go outside, it's very challenging for you to operate now without Google Search or Microsoft or Bing. An interesting part of it is uh, today I was driving, I had a flat tire. All I did was I picked up my phone. I just typed nearest tire shop near, <laughs> yeah. near me. And Google was able to bring them, supporting the pro also identifying proximity of those uh, garages to me as well. This is a data product in action. And that's why I'll say those two are my favorite or my most used uh, data products. Yeah, I know. I was asked the other day, do you know what to do if your car breaks down and you go down to the, go off to the side of the road? I was asked by someone who's what, like my parents' generation, and I just said... The yellow book. I would Google it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I would use Google, and then I would know. <laughs> I think I think our parents would have used the, the yellow pages. Yeah, they, they would have yeah. used the yellow pages and flipped through to exactly. find... to find That's if they have the yellow page with them <laughs> in, the car, in the car now as well. Now it's like I don't need to have that knowledge because I can Google it. But yeah, and I think... You know, from my experience, like I grew up, when was it, in my teens or something when I started to have Google and use Google and it was just, oh, here's Google, here's this amazing tool that you can start using. And it wasn't until much later when I thought of it as a data product and it kind of feels like so much of these might have used to call them like tools or applications that big technology companies made for us like Microsoft and Google. And then now we're realizing that they're a product because they were made for users in mind and they're improved with users. So yeah, I think they're really, they're pretty groundbreaking data products really. They've kind of changed the world, haven't they? Yeah, and even when you want to think about data product again and the corporate environment, right? You think about every single thing, every single application involved in that journey. It's also part of the product. It's not just your Power BI, your Tiger Graph or your Tableau dashboard or your ClickSense dashboard does not just what that is the output, right? So you need all tricks. You need your Microsoft Excel. You need your ETL pipeline. You need all of those are part of what makes a holistic data product. When you look at it, even from a process mapping activity, maybe you want to map activity using a business process model to map activities across different organizations, different strategic business units. You want to see footprints. You want to know how many people are doing, taking certain actions at certain time. How many people, this data, certain time, this data. We are mapping that you need very complex tools like UiPath, like Celonis as well. These are all products supporting you to build that final output, which some, some of us will refer to our data products. When you look at data product, it's massive. Things like data science or machine learning all fits into the idea of having a data product in place. It feels like the possibilities of data products are kind of endless. <laughs> it's limitless. Just, yeah. It's limitless. That's why agility is a big part of developing the consultants as well. Because what if you're using a technology today, 
Next tomorrow, one week time, that technology might become obsolete yeah. and something better is out there. So you just need to always sharpen your mind, always go out there, understand what's in, what's in place, what's available to actually develop the consultants to become an excellent data product in order for them to support clients effectively. Yeah, the only constant thing is change, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That's yes. the only constant. Which one? The only constant yeah. in this type of... Um, environment is change change yeah i think change is constant and uh in my space you just need to uh, remain agile because things will change quickly and one guideline that really helps with that is seeing things as uh principles as opposed to rules mm. because uh rules are very linear Various uh, principles are organic. That enables you transform, enables you adapt to the changes in the environment as well. Yeah. So what do you think is the potential of data products in the future? Like we've got all different types of data products. One really huge example that people would know is like Google Search or Microsoft Bing. These things that drastically change how we make decisions and as you said before is the definition at a highest level is that they're products that use data to help us make decisions so I think it's a really exciting space because I like how there are kind of no boundaries around it it's like data product can be a tiny thing or a huge thing and they can exist in all different types of environments so what are you excited about for data products in future like where do you see them going what's the potential where is it up what I'm excited about with data product, it's for me personally, is the uncertainty. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like surprises. I like changes. I welcome change really well. So that uncertainty in the environment is something really good and really, really nice to have in the data product space. So you look at things like visual reality. Those are all data products. That's likely going to be the future of data product. Mm. And when you go into the airport, right, you can see how technology organizations are adapting that's where I see the future. You're traveling now, right? You're running to the Stansted Airport. You're 30 minutes late. You can check on your phone and see if your flight has been delayed. That's data product. That's where the future is going. Where it's going is that data will become available in, like on our fingertips for anything we need. From an economic standpoint, that's we're moving towards a perfectly competitive market. What a perfectly competitive market means that everybody knows the price of everything at a particular time. Mm -hmm. That means competition is 100% perfect. That's where we're moving. If you think about it, if you want to sell this flask to me now, all I need to do is I can use Google to search the image and I'll see how much the flask goes for. That's how I see data product going mm. in the future, whereby that information is available for everybody at every point in time to make their own strategic decision. And when we're talking about strategic decision, we're looking at it from both from an individual standpoint and from an organizational standpoint. We all make strategic decisions, so do uh, organizations. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about there is is really, like, huge. I can't imagine how much that would change, like you said, like, economics. And I don't know, know enough about this area to comment on it more than that, really. But that sounds... I haven't heard of something like that yet before. 
same with me, Isabel. <laughs> I try not to, I try not to uh, over comment on some of them because some of them could become political. Some so when you're talking about data product, is something you need to be strategic when you comment on the things like uh, NFTs or blockchains. These are all data product. When you talk about the metaverse, when you talk about augmented reality, these are all data product as well. But because of uncertainty and some of these uh, areas are yet to fully mature, I'll say something interesting to you. My mom is visiting me and like she's on her phone and she's letting me know what's happening on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so my mom is approaching 70 and she's like telling me about what's happening on Instagram. If 10 years ago, she would have criticized Instagram. Five years ago, she would have said Instagram means nothing. So that ability to adapt and to welcome change is something that is also really important when you think about the future of data product. Mm. So it will really require people and organizations and consumers to embrace that change for data products like the metaverse and virtual reality and things to really take off. Yeah, embracing it is strategic as well. You need to embrace the part that fits uh, into your business or part that supports your business. I can go on and on and give an ex I give an uh, example. Think about Amazon Fresh. We just walk into the shop, I walk, you pick your items, I walk out of the shop, and your card is built. That's all driven by data. Yeah. Without a clear understanding and appreciation of data as a product, you will not be able to do that. Some of us might feel a bit uh, nervous or uncomfortable walking into Amazon Fresh. So you might see an Amazon Fresh here and see a Tesco here. Trust me, you might feel more comfortable just going into the Tesco, picking your items yeah. and paying <laughs> and not here. You don't want any stress and you feel very comfortable with that. But again, is welcoming change because in the future, you might not have the option. You might be left with just going and picking your items and walking out because there will be no cashier, no teller, nobody there to attend to you. You just need to go and pick up your items and walk out on your credit card or your bank card is built. So that's, again, how things will evolve. A lot of times we'll not have control. Think about driverless cars. Mm. These are all data product-driven products. Mm. Everything, all the cameras are using data to make the decisions. So when you talk about data product, it's limitless. So that appreciation of data is the biggest element to building a data product. That's why I started with saying you cannot treat data product without first understanding and appreciating data as a product. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. I, I haven't been to an Amazon Fresh myself yet because maybe I need to embrace change a bit more because <laughs> I've also been like, I don't need to do that yet. I think yeah, I think um, personality. Yeah, I think yeah. personality is a is a key part of it. I'm also I'm very conservative by nature. I'm an introvert by nature. I it takes me longer to change outside workspace. So my personality in the workspace yeah. does not reflect my personality <laughs> outside the workspace. So when you see me in the workspace, you think I'm like a, a more way more chilled yeah, outside yeah. the workspace. What I've said this is when you talk about things like TikTok, a lot of us don't have a TikTok account. Now. I don't. You don't, yeah. yeah. But I don't want one. That, yes, that's that reflection yeah. of your personality. This yeah. is where I'm coming from. But what might happen is maybe in the next 10 years, 
you might then be locked in that you need it to do something. Yeah. At that point, you then have it. That's what yeah, I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah. So my mom, the illustration I gave, she would have said, I don't want Instagram. I don't did it. But it might have happened that maybe her friends or people are always sending her messages that are rooting through Instagram. Yeah. And after some time, she was like, okay, create one for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's where it becomes uh, interesting. The good thing about it is if you can really appreciate it from a workspace, from a workspace. So like if you start thinking about training, how do I train the consultants using VR technology? How do I train the consultants using AR technology? That's what that's a way looking at data production. That's where I see it going. Where I see it going is you can train consultants wherever they are in the world and you all feel like you are in the same room. Mm. That's where I see the future. Yeah. I do find it really exciting. It's the idea of the potential of something being limitless. And I think because data is so kind of elastic, I think it is, I don't think it's like an exaggeration to say that the possibilities of them are limitless at the moment because they can just emerge in all different types of directions. So it's a very exciting space to be in. So we've talked about how data products can change your kind of retail experience, for example, with Amazon Fresh or, you know, in the future, we may even have access to pricing of all different types of products that would really kind of drastically change economics and how the kind of economy, what did you say with com- competitor? What was it? How would the pricing, if you had the pricing at your fingertips, what would that change? Competitor pricing? Yeah, so that was, that was a perfectly competitive market. Perfectly competitive, competitive market, yeah, yeah, competitive market. Do you think that data products can have any good impact in the world as well? Yes, so many. Let me give you one illustration. When I was traveling back from uh, New York to London, when I was leaving, when I was arriving in New York, had an immigration officer stop me, check my passport, stamped my passport. When I was arriving in London, there was nobody. I just scanned my passport. A system of captured the data. I turned to the camera. A, a, the camera has captured my face of uh, data as well. Passed that into my passport. Compared that. That's data. That's a data product at work as well. Think about it from you want to shop. You want to buy something. You want to look for the best uh, shoes, the best clothes. Black Friday deals as well. These are you, these are you using data product. You want to train the consultants. You want to check for the best tools, how they work. This data product as well. You're using those search engines. You're using data product. You want to build a dashboard for your management to help drive their decision making as well for the company to remain f- profitable. This is also data product as well. Think about the place as well. Our uh, bio data capture as well. That is all data product as well, supporting decision, protecting us as well. Think about uh, carbon emission as well. Those, uh, I don't know if you're aware of um, carbon uh, offset by different organizations as well, carbon footprint being measured by different organizations where we're all trying to become carbon neutral. We have metrics, we have data supporting that as well. That's data as well, protect, helping protect our environment as well. Think about electric cars as well. Without data, you might not be able to confirm if an electric car is actually 
protecting their environment. So you need data to say, oh, by going after so many miles or after certain thousands of miles, that's when it becomes carbon neutral. That's data as well. There's a dashboard. When you drive your car, there's a dashboard. That's a data product as well, helping you say, oh, you're running on uh, electric now, you're running on gas now. That's data product as well. You come into the office, you have seats for 150 employees, but when the tapping, when you check the number of people that have tapped into the office, you notice that only 10 people are coming into the office. You draw, you make a decision. So maybe the space is too big. If we have a space for 100 and only 10 comes in, maybe the space is too big. Maybe we should go into a smaller space. This will be data product as well, uh, supporting the organization as well. You go into your bank statement, which for most of us now, you see the different amount you spend on different activities, shopping, transport. This will also drive your decision as well. So these are all data products as well. How we use them is now data as a product, appreciating data as a product, which is very, very key. That's okay. for me, that's the massive part of anything data product, any product you're building. If you don't appreciate data as a product, whatever tool you're building, you might build a dashboard with 15 sections. All the information you see there, are they adding any value? That's data as a product. If they're not adding value, now this visualization aspect, you're going to collate data. When you're collating, we use the same collation most times as opposed to collection because collection means the data exists there. You're going to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> Co collation means it's scattered everywhere. Yeah. You have to collate. So when you're collating data and working on your data journey, you need to be able to appreciate which of these elements has value. How do you prioritize the value of the data you're collating? When you build your dashboards as well, when you have dashboards building, we call it report prioritization in the space. How do you prioritize the reports you're building? There's a report for CEO. There's a report for... Um, the operations are the COO, there's a report for the CTO. How do you prioritize them? Guess what? You might go ahead and prioritize maybe the report for the CEO over the report for the CTO, and guess what? The whole system crashes <laughs> because you need technology actually to report to the CEO. <laughs> so it might be necessary to prioritize yeah. the reports for the CTO over the report for the CEO. But this prioritization is very complex. So there is a lot of methodologies, something like urgent important uh, metrics, uh, the effort-driven metrics as well, to build out this prioritization as well. We will do report prioritization. Yeah, because that that's the element of applying a product mindset to data is not only that that data isn't just there Data is driving those different types of decisions, but data can't be consumable by people if it's not in the form of a data product. And so we need to create data products with a with a product mindset, and that comes from product management from all different types yeah, of products, exactly. not just data. And a big part of that is prioritization and how do you choose which product is most valuable or which element of the product is most valuable. 100% spot on. You've just reminded me of two key things, right? You cannot thrive in data product without product management, product ownership mindset. Another uh, word you mentioned, which was really key, is consumption. 
when building a data product, there's a key term, replicability of consumption. Why replicability of consumption is really key is remember we said things are changing really quickly. So if your data tool does not have a very good replicability of consumption, when things changes, it's not able to consume it and sustain the output. So that's a very, very big element as well when thinking about data as a product. Yeah. So we really need to think about how how do we get the most value to the users from the data product. And I'm currently working as a data product owner. And so this is something that I'm familiar with. And it can actually be quite complicated to evaluate what is most valuable in this data product. What is the most important element of it that I need to give my users and what can I leave out? Do you have any thoughts on communicating the value of data or data products? How do we prioritize what's more important? So that's prioritization will be driven by strategy of the organization. So when I talk about strategy, you might look at it from a corporate environment. You can look at it from or also an individual or uh, from individual space. Let's talk about corporate environment first. So with economic, external economic factors. So you do have to do things like environmental scanning. When we're talking about environmental scanning, you're talking about the use of tools such as PESTO, SWOT analysis, or internal resource audit, your Boston box. These are tools that have been designed to help you scan the environment. When you scan the external environment, you're capturing data. The data you capture will drive your decision making. Let's say you're going to New York to set up a business and you're going to see uh, Atlanta to set up a business. It's possible the employment laws in those two places might be different. Mm -hmm. You can get that from tools like Pesto. That means we hire your consultants will be different. The requirements for your employment and how you treat your employees will be different. The way you please them will be different. So there's another huge data that is possible to ignore very possible to ignore. And as you go through the process, it might come back to hit the organization in a positive or a negative way, depending on how you've used the data, which is now data as a product, appreciation that data, and how you use it. There's so many ways. When you, prioritization is driven by strategy. Those set is like urgent and important metrics and value and effort metrics. This is what typically we use in, in, an, agile, in an agile environment for prioritization. But these are also driven the back end of what will make something important or urgent is still from the environmental scanning, both internal and external environmental scanning. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So we've talked a lot about data products, data as a product, where we think data products could be going in the future. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the role of stories and storytelling in the data product space because as we've spoken about before when you're creating a product of any type whether it's a data product or not you have to sell that to your users you have to have a user base otherwise it won't exist or it won't pick up and it it won't work and it will fail so there's an element of storytelling needed in data product right 100 percent. yeah you need storytelling Without storytelling, you can't appreciate data. Without storytelling, you can't even sell a data product. Let's take a simple illustration and just focus on two examples we used earlier. 
I'll just say to you now, my car stopped. I had a flat tire and I got I drove to the garage and I fitted my tire. I've not given you I've not told a story. You won't appreciate data in that space. But look at it in different this way. I was driving and on my dashboard I saw an indication that my tire pressure, which is meant to be uh, uh, 35 PSI, has uh, 35 PSI, but has dropped to 22. This means that my tire is running flat. I parked my car, I checked through closest a tire garage on me, Google brought them up, prior uh, listing them in proximity. I saw one which was four miles away. I checked my PSI, I saw I could use 29 PSI to still travel for 10 miles. I drove to the garage. I have a meeting at four o'clock, but they said it would take them 15 minutes to fit the new tire and it was 3.30, which means they will fit the tire and I'll be able to drive back to the office. When they started fixing the tire, I asked them how much would this cost? They said to me, it will cost 75 pounds for a tire. I searched through my phone on what's the cost of tire, and I saw, oh, it should actually be 65. I asked them, are you happy to do it for 65? They said, okay, they will do it for 70. And they fitted the tire for 70. I was running late. I picked up my phone. I searched through the phone book, and I was able to inform the team that I'll be five minutes late. This is me telling a story, all driven by data and decision making. That's why you now, if you want to use Google Map, if you want to use Google Search, I've been able to explain the value of the data there. If you're driving a car as well, I've been able to explain to you the value of the information on your dashboard as well. You might then ask question, oh, which of the icons on the dashboard indicates the tire pressure? So that's storytelling of a data product as well. When you think about the Amazon illustration we gave earlier, you can also convert that into a storytelling and by Converting it into a storyteller. Remember when we started, we all said that we might not be comfortable going into a shop and the shop bills us when we leave. But if you told the story of how this actually works, you find yourself accepting it more. It creates, it, it creates an environment for acceptance. But the good thing about product development and business analysis is there's a tool for everything. There's what we call scenario analysis. Scenario analysis is very close to what I've described using the flat tire illustration. So that scenario analysis is how you describe step-by-step -step, uh, activities involved in the end-to-end -end journey of a process. So these tools are designed to help us, to support us. One key thing about our tools is it takes a lot of experience and expertise to know what tool to use at what time as well. And that's where it becomes really um, interesting. When you're able to understand what tool should I use, at what time should I use the tool as well, that's what makes you a specialist. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where uh, experience uh, also comes in. Yeah, nice. And do you think that data products, so for example, let's say google.com, do you think there's any, any element of stories that come out of that data product yes like experience like when you think about when we talk about story right the best way to describe story is experience <laughs> yeah if you ask me and a lot of experience in different spaces exists behind google exists in the google tool exists in the 
Microsoft Bing too, as well. So without experience, a data product is not as well. Without experience, you can't tell stories. Stories are either our experience or somebody else's experience that have been told to us. That's the way it applies to data. And without experience, you can't improve. Because the key thing is, there's a very big part of our business process modeling as well, is you can never build the future state without understanding the current state. The current state is driven by experience and storytelling. That means if we want to improve the way cashiers work, if we want to improve the way cashiers work in the bank, we need to sit with the cashier to understand how do you work. And guess what's going to happen? They will take us through scenario analysis, talking about the data they capture, how they capture it. That's we documenting the current state. That's the data, that's the storytelling, that's the experience. That's the only way you can identify gaps and then build the future state. Yeah, I like what you're saying there, that stories are basically experiences and they're kind of naturally bound up in data products because a data product is all about building knowledge into a data product so that it functions for users. So you have to bring either whether it's the experience of a machine learning model where a computer has had an experience and learned something for itself to be able to predict something. That's where an experience, which is what you're saying is the kind of the foundation of a story is kind of naturally embedded in those types of data products. 100%. Yeah. Like if you want to build a data dashboard for your CEO, speak to them about what they want. They will say it. But guess what? If you bring them into a room, get a paper, document what data they use, how they use the data, capture it, do a prototype on their journey on how they will use the data, you're likely to build a better data dashboard. And that's what takes us into requirements uh, engineering. We capture end requirements. We do things like requirement elicitation, analysis, validation, management and documentation, going through that whole end-to-end journey of that requirements. That's the experience and that's what helps you to now build an acceptable product, a product that will be accepted by the end user. Nice. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure to have you. Even though I'm product owner at the moment, it's such a refresh having this conversation with you. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing my Kubrick training all over again. <laughs> having the product, the data product training. It's been really great to have you and hear your experience. You've got limitless examples of data products and their applications in the world today. I feel like I'd want to pick your brains about all the other examples that you've You're got welcome. in there. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure as well. Thanks. Thank Thank you for listening to this episode of Data Stories with Isabel Becker. If you enjoyed it, please follow the podcast, rate it, give it a review and share it with your friends, colleagues, students, teachers, anyone who's curious about playing with data and stories.